0: Hey you, I'm Sarah and welcome back to the third episode of The Hubbub Podcast. The third episode, can you believe it? Every week, me and the Hubbub team are taking a closer look at an environmental issue, finding out how we got here, what on earth is going on now and seeing what things might be like in the future. We started this really because some of this stuff can be really overwhelming and scary and a lot of the people that we've spoken to really, really want to make a change to help the planet but they have no idea where to start. There was a report last year which said that we only have 12 years to prevent catastrophic climate change and that will mean changing a lot about the way that we live. So we're putting together some research stories and tips in a bid to see what we can do to help the environment today. Last week we spoke about how to eat more sustainably and in this episode, we're going to be delving into the world of sustainable periods, busting taboos, finding out why periods cause plastic pollution and discovering all of the new stuff that the industry is coming up with. I am so excited for this episode. When I first heard about the problem with the products I was using, I was really shocked. And finding the right sustainable option for me has been a brilliant adventure. I've spoken to so many amazing women and people with periods about this and I feel super confident and ready to talk about menstruation with you. If you're someone who doesn't have a period and you're slinking off because you think this episode might not be for you, think again. Just because something might not directly affect you doesn't mean it's not worth learning about. So keep listening, get informed and ask lots of questions. We don't bite. We're gonna be speaking to Lottie from Hubbub to find out what the problem with periods is anyway. We haven't really
1: historically given enough time to women's issues. We're also gonna be
2: speaking to Frida about innovations in femme care. We ask for tampons as if we're asking for class A drugs.
0: And chatting to Dame, who are one of the companies leading the way in the future for sustainable periods.
3: If you're gonna do it with water bottles and coffee cups, then why not do it for, for period products?
0: So first up, as ever, we're gonna be taking a trip through the whirligig of time to find out how we got to where we are in the first place. Tampons, or something that resemble a tampon, have been used for thousands of years, mainly as a medical device for getting medicine into a vagina or for contraception. Historically, it looks like the Egyptians might have been the first guys to use tampons, or at least the first people to write it down. But tampons to absorb menstrual blood came onto the scene at the start of the 20th century. And Tampax, who you've probably heard of, took out a patent in the 1930s. It was mainly used by people with really active lifestyles, so athletes, dancers, and actresses who really struggled with the big pads that they used back then. The tampon, as an invention, makes sense. But why was the applicator bit added? If you aren't sure what applicators are, they're a telescopic tube of cardboard or plastic, which people use to push a tampon into a vagina. Applicators were brought about in the first place because people were really resistant to the idea of women touching themselves and were worried that putting a tampon in digitally, which just means with your fingers, would lead to sexual pleasure and actual, quote, loose behavior. And you can be sure that whoever was worried about that had never actually used a tampon. Even with an applicator, tampons faced a bit of an uphill battle getting into the mainstream. It mostly became popular during World War II as more women were joining the workforce and today about 42% of people with periods use tampons. The problem that we have today is that most tampons contain plastics and on top of that, there's an applicator, which is a plastic and a single use item. It can't be recycled because it's medical waste. So they're either ending up in landfill, being incinerated or finding their way into the ocean. Whatever the reason it started, loads of women still prefer applicator tampons because of habit or because it's cleaner, which is fine. Everybody can use exactly what they want. We're starting to see loads more innovation in terms of what we can use, but the fact that someone only invented period pants a couple of years ago is baffling to me. What we use to help manage our periods is a sustainability issue, but it's also a
2: feminist issue. Hi, I'm Afi parvizi Wayne. I'm the founder of Frida, a new sustainable and hopefully ethical period care brand. And what is the problem with periods? Why aren't they sustainable? Well, what is wrong with periods? Um, I think the major problem is that until about a few years ago, the whole sector was dominated by a few huge conglomerates, and there was no ingredient transparency. So we weren't even aware of what was in our products, including myself. Right? I used to like not even question what was in the products. I think consumers have become more conscious. We're looking at what goes into our juices what well, even goes into our detergents so th- those products became scrutiny so we started scrutinizing and suddenly realized these products sort of white you know sort of white like it was a cotton-like it was cotton-like comfort was in <laughs> fact not cotton and realized that not only they weren't sustainable and uh, that actually they included no natural material and they were full of chemicals, dyes. So the whole sector was pushed to become more transparent.
0: And why do you think it took so long for that conversation to happen?
2: Shame. I think women's health, there are certain areas of women's health that should in fact be celebrated, but they're shrouded in taboo and stigma, shame, all these negative connotations that we have. And I think it's somewhat perpetuated by women, right? Right. Uh, So we are embarrassed about our periods. We treat periods like we ask for tampons as if we're asking for class A drugs, right? (laughs) They're asked in hushed tones, right? Have you got a tampon? And if the answer is yes, you shove it up your sleeve and you sort of, you know, scoot off to the loo. And you think, well, why? I mean, you're not asking, you know, for heroin. You're asking for something that your body naturally needs. You can imagine, you're not going to sort of raise your hands and say, hello, what's in my product, So I think it took few startups like Frida to initiate the conversation to say, okay, like, you know, this is an alternative.
0: And what does Frida offer as an alternative?
2: Convenience, Mm. first of all. And obviously, we're trying to be as sustainable as possible. Uh, But when I first started looking at Frida, I had to make sure that the product worked. There's no point in being sustainable if nobody buys it. There's no point in being sustainable if the product actually doesn't do what it's meant to do. My first thing was, okay, this needs to be a genuine sustainable alternative. And I wasn't going for a change in behavior, right? So it's like you're using pads and tampons. Okay, this is just an alternative, Mm -hmm. right? And the tampons are a hugely invasive product. You know, It's the most intimate product we use for 30 years of our lives. So that is 100% organic cotton. And our pads, are, for, from our point of view, 100% organic pads just didn't work, mm. right? So, yes, it's sustainable, it's, you know, organic, but it didn't work. Uh, so with our Scandinavian manufacturer, you know, who've got all you know certification coming out of their ears, um, we decided to have a pad that was made out of renewable material with the top layer being cotton. Yeah.
0: So, this is something people can use if they don't want to make a switch to a product like Moon Cup or anything exactly. Like that. They're just using tampons or pads like they normally would, yes. but they're more sustainable. Yes.
2: And then, nothing we realized is that, yes, periods are universal. We, get, we all have periods, but not one period is the same. Mm. So, we decided, okay, let's just try it out. Let's see what, okay, you, you can decide what goes in your box. 85% of our deliveries are now customized.
0: That's so cool. I know. So
2: it's like, you know, and you think, well, you can do that with your makeup. You can do that with your you car, do shopping.
0: Personalized periods. Personalized periods. Because some days you need something, some days you want something exactly. else. Exactly,
2: right? And you don't want to have like huge boxes of one thing, which then sits at the back of your bathroom cupboard. And also I went for branding. You know, I wanted to pull out periods from fast-moving consumer goods, right? It's not FMCG. It shouldn't be sitting like fairy liquid and, you know, washing powder. It should have its own little category. So we change the branding and so that you actually don't mind it falling out of your handbag.
0: It's super cute. I'm going to share some pictures because it is this lovely. (laughs) It's really, really lovely. And what is for you the kind of future of sustainable periods in a dreamland? What are we all doing? How are we being sustainable?
2: I think ditch the applicator. Um, And just as a little background as to why we have applicators, because I had to look into it with my research hat on. So the rest of Europe, apart from us, um, was introduced to tampons through OB, Johnson & Johnson. They had no applicator, right? So France, Germany, Scandinavia, the thought of applicators is just like, why, right? Because that's how they were introduced to the whole idea of tampons. The UK... North America were introduced to it through PNG, through Mm. Tampax, right? That had an applicator. And in my view, the applicator, again, perpetuates this idea that, you know, the blood is dirty, you don't want to touch it. I mean, no, I think we can ditch the applicator. Go for, if you can, and you can afford it, uh, for cotton, uh, which is biodegradable. But nevertheless, don't flush it. right? That's how we can keep our oceans clear.
0: Applicators are normally made out of plastic and
2: cardboard. Are they made out of anything else? Uh, No. So cardboard and plastic. So I'm constantly asked why didn't Frida not go for cardboard, right? Our researcher, the majority of women, prefer the comfort of plastic applicators. And so, you know, how do you make plastic more sustainable? So we have recently switched to plant-based plastics. Mm -hmm. So made out of sugar cane. And there is a lot of misinformation around plant-based versus fossil-based fuel, like petroleum-based. And uh, so you get companies going out there saying, you know, we have plant-based applicators, they're totally biodegradable, but actually they're not, right? So the advantage there is that they are carbon-neutral Right. So yes, so if, if it doesn't end up being incinerated or if it doesn't end up in a facility that it can biodegra- you know, it can degrade, if you just sat in a landfill, it's carbon neutral, right? So the other myth is that you know these things can be recycled. Anything that comes in in contact with bodily human bodily fluid cannot be recycled, whether it's cardboard, whether it's plastic or whether it's wrapped in cotton wool. I mean, it cannot be recycled. So medical waste, isn't it? Yes. So recycling is like out, right? We had a customer who'd been sort of, read all this thing that they can be degradable, and she said, oh, I read that they're compostable. Can I put them in with my food waste? (laughs) Thinking, uh, no, I don't think your applicator should sit with potato peels. Um, Just get rid of it, (laughs) right? Um, So yes, plant-based is better, uh, is not doing any harm, but nevertheless, we should ditch the applicator I think, altogether.
0: I think it's really important as well because there is so much misinformation in the industry in general. We don't know what's inside stuff. People aren't telling the truth.
2: And it can be a bit blurry knowing what's actually going on. Yes, and we don't know, right? And structurally, I mean, I think the problem is that the infrastructure isn't there, right? To We don't have facilities that can take stuff like this and under certain high temperature they they can sort of degrade them and we can but we just don't have the facility so as a consumer and as a brand all we can do is do our bit and you think if the infrastructure isn't there at least i'm not doing any harm right so sitting in a landfill is not doing any harm um and hopefully the structure will kick into place where you know they can be incinerated
0: I'm sure that you heard from that interview how amazing Affie is and she was speaking a lot about shame and the reason a lot of conversations and innovations might not have been happening for a long time is that periods even now are a taboo topic. We're meant to hide it, not draw attention to it and definitely not talk to other people about it. But times are changing and talking about our experiences is the best way to normalise things, feel comfortable and get the confidence to try new things. So, in that spirit, I'm going to chat to Lottie from Hubbub to find out what the problems with our periods are today.
1: Hi, I'm Lottie and I run the Sustainable Period Campaign at Hubbub. So, a lot of us will be quite conscious of the plastic that we're using and a lot of us have probably thought about applicators and packaging when it comes to things like tampons and sanitary pads. But what a lot of us don't realise is that the actual products themselves are made out of plastic materials, such as rayon, and they're using pretty nasty cotton. It's not very good quality cotton, so it's incredibly resource intensive. It's using lots of water, pesticides used in the production, which causes chemical pollution. And it's not it's not great for the environment, but it's also not great for the farmers who are growing the cotton. So what we've got here is a kind of massive issue, which is the fact that a lot of people firstly are disposing of their tampons or sanitary pads in the wrong way by putting them down the toilet, which is causing plastic pollution in our oceans. But then secondly, lots of people are using products that contain chemicals and plastics that they don't realise they are. Um, but there's lots of alternatives
0: out there. And can you give us an idea of the volume of this kinds of waste? So how much of it are we using every year?
1: So. An individual person with a period will use 11,000 products. (gasps) 11,000! And that's costing us an average of £128 a year. And that's not considering kind of all the other costly things you run into around the time of your period. So um, not to be a cliche, but we might find that we are more likely to be treating ourselves to things like chocolate (laughs) or wine or whatever we do to get ourselves through that that time of the month it, it will have kind of further financial cost implications other than that £128 which is spent specifically on products.
0: And what do most people use? So are most people using tampons with applicators or pads? What does the picture look like?
1: So what was quite interesting for us is we've done a bit of research on this and we went in with the assumption that most people were using tampons and actually what was quite interesting was to realise that's very much linked to our sort of personal cultural experiences and actually that isn't the kind of wider behavior so what we find is more people are using pads than they were using tampons got a lot of people obviously using applicators and non-applicators but you know there's different
0: types of applicators plastic applicators
1: cardboard applicators kind of whole variety of different products
0: why are we only just hearing about this because i feel like the conversation is really in its infancy at the moment I can tell you my opinion.
1: That's all we're looking for. Yeah. And my personal opinion is we haven't really historically given enough time to women's issues. Now, periods are not just a women's issue. And, you know, it'd be completely wrong to say it's just women who have periods because it, it's not. But historically, we haven't put enough time or energy or money into researching things around this. So what's happened is, you know, back way back when, when these products were being invented... They were just invented by some men creating products to get some money essentially and just somehow solve an issue so it hasn't really kind of come into the forefront we're currently experiencing a plastic revolution we're all starting to be a lot more conscious of it and what we're using and how we're using it so whilst there's a lot of us getting much more interested in kind of thinking about how we can cut plastic and something like a tampon applicator seems like a really easy win for some people there's a massive lack of understanding around really what your products are made out of. So you may have seen over the last couple of years has been a kind of growing swell of a conversation around period poverty, which is an incredibly important issue. And every single person should have access to sanitary wear. it should not be seen as a luxury. But as this kind of conversations grown, it's made a lot of us kind of stop and pause and think about our products and what we're using when we have a period. And it's sort of lent itself well to kind of people becoming a bit more mindful about it um, and that has naturally kind of started a kind of secondary conversation around well, what what does a sustainable period
0: look like. I wanted to go back quickly to what you were talking about earlier about chemicals. So do we know what is in all of these products? Is there like an ingredients list where you can go and find out what's inside your tampon?
1: Okay so this is really scary. Um, so Some kind of different organisations have done some tests, independent studies on the products that people are traditionally using and have found that a lot of these contain dioxins, um, which are cancer-causing agents, um, and a whole list of nasty chemicals. And that's very, very much linked to do with the production process of the products in terms of the fact that quite often they're bleached to uh, kind of keep that white colouring, but also the production process in terms of the way that the cotton is grown um, or the plastic is made so you've got all of those nasty things being found however what is really truly shocking is there's no policy for brands to have to legally put the ingredients on the packaging what so every single brand out there Right now, could happily say we don't contain any of these things. Uh, there's no legal requirement for them to be honest
0: about it. That's so spooky. Yeah, and a <laughs> lot
1: of tests have been done on these products, and and they have been shown to be found, and no one's holding them accountable. So we don't we don't know what it's doing to our health. But when you think about the fact that the vagina is the second most absorbent part of the body, it is something definitely to be mindful of.
0: So after that incredibly sobering and terrifying thought, what? <laughs> can we do to avoid some of these chemicals but also reduce the amount of plastics that we're using and switch to more sustainable products?
1: So the first really, really simple takeaway message is to put your products in the bin. Do not flush them. If you flush them, they're quite likely to end up in our oceans. And actually, really interesting, um, there are 20 tampons per 100 metres of shoreline. Oh! Yeah. Um So that might be, you know, you might have gone to the beach one day and seen something floating by. It's not really to do with an individual person just chucking it in the ocean. It is actually to do with the way our wastewater is managed and the fact that sometimes these cause incredible blockages and it's incredibly expensive for the water companies to deal with the blockages. Um, But also because things get blocked, it means that things get kind of past the blockages and end up in places that they're not supposed to be like our oceans.
0: And I think so much of that is about kind of how you're brought up and how you're told to get rid of those things, but also the shame side of stuff. Like, a lot of people want to hide the fact that they're on their period, they might not have bins. We need to kind of open up that conversation so people don't feel strange about it.
1: Yeah, so what's quite interesting is what we found from our research is that you kind of do exactly what you were told when you are younger and a lot of people don't question that behaviour. So if your mum or whoever first showed you how to use any of these products told you to put it in the toilet you put it in the toilet. If your parent told you or your friend or whoever told you to put it in the bin, that's what you've done. But people aren't having enough of a conversation around periods of kind of clock that maybe what they're doing is different to what other people are doing. But what was really interesting as well as we started to look a bit into the barriers of why you might not feel comfortable putting something in the bin. And there are loads of kind of nuanced things. You know, if you're if you're a trans man, well, there aren't really bins in your toilets if you're using the male toilets because it's not really considered something that's needed what we find also um well we've, we've been talking to lots of brands and one of the brands shared some really interesting insights around teenage girls who don't feel comfortable putting it in the bin at their dad's house if they're going to go stay with their dad and you know it might just be that you're in shared accommodation and stuff like that if possible i would really recommend just getting a second bin which has a lid which you can just be honest and say that is what this is for Also, there are kind of products that you can buy out there which can help you dispose of your products a little bit more discreetly if that's what you want
0: to do. What else can we do to have a more sustainable period?
1: So the second takeaway message is try and think about what you're using and switch it up. There are lots of alternative products out there. If you want to continue to use single-use products and don't feel comfortable or confident enough just yet to do something a little bit different, I would suggest just switching to an organic cotton tampon or pad brand there's loads out there you can get them in your supermarket you can get them in your pharmacies and there's lots of different brands you can even get them on fashion companies like asos and things like that and if you want to be super sustainable which is definitely the way forward i would really recommend looking at some of the other alternatives out there I really love um, my menstrual pants, they're incredibly comfortable, they're great for at night when you might not feel comfortable using a tampon. I also Um, love them,
0: I've said it before and I'll say
1: it again, they're witchcraft, I don't know how they work but they're phenomenal. They are so comfortable, the way they work is they're a little bit like a pad in the sense that they're absorbent things but essentially they're just normal pants and I don't know what on earth they do to them. but everything you're worried about they don't smell they don't get really heavy they don't feel really wet they're incredibly comfortable it is just like wearing a normal pair of pants and they just go in your normal wash so it's really not a big deal and then something else that you can consider using is a menstrual cup now you might have heard about this it's getting much more popular amongst people um i remember when i first heard of it it was sort of Six or seven years ago, and I remember someone using it, and I'm not going to pretend I wasn't kind of like, "What is that? God, ooh!" ooh. But like, wow. I mean, if I ever bring it up now, everybody I know is like, "Oh, I use that. I use that. I use that." Even people I would never have expected to use one use one. They're little cups that you use as an alternative to a tampon, so they sit inside the vaginal canal, and they can be worn for up to eight hours. They're made out of medical-grade silicone, so they're completely safe for your health. They're no more dangerous than using um, your regular tampon. And they cost about 20 quid, which can feel quite expensive when you first buy it, but you don't need to get a new one for around five years. So you only buy one that lasts you five years. That is an incredibly cost-efficient product, if you think about your cost per use. And then also in terms of cleaning it really easy, you just clean it with boiling water on the stove, or you could put it in a little mug, put the kettle on it. So a lot of tampons that people use are made out of rayon. Um, and so for those of you that don't know that rayon is a synthetic material. And if something's synthetic, it actually means it's made out of plastic. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but synthetic materials also release microfibers. So actually quite often the tampons that we're using are leaving kind of trace traced fibres in our vagina after we take them out.
0: Ah, that's really scary that's a whole host of super scary facts that you've given us today and what is Hubbub doing so what's the project that you're a part of and what are you trying to do to change the way that things are working at the moment
1: So we are working on a campaign at the moment to try and raise awareness around some of the things we've discussed today. So firstly, educating people about menstrual products so that they understand what they're made out of and what their impact is on the environment. And then we're also going to be working with a select group of people to trial a range of different products that are out there, see how they get on. And then we'll use that as kind of part of a wider communications campaign to get people to feel more comfortable making the switch to some of the alternatives out there. So making sure that we're trying to tell all sides of the story. So um, we're really keen to make sure that we're hearing from trans people, people who might have mobility issues, anything that kind of might affect what works for you that will be captured as part of this campaign. And then we're also kind of having discussions with brands to try and get them to think about stocking some of these products. A lot of them already do, but also trying to get them a bit more visible. So quite often these products are on the bottom shelf we're trying to get them up the shelves so they're in front of people's eyes, so they know that they're there. Um, instead of so kind of reaching for the thing that they've always used.
0: What would your advice be for someone who's a bit nervous and isn't sure where to start? Oh, just talk to your friends.
1: Honestly. I mean, do a bit of research online. There's lots out there already, but definitely just chat to your friends. You will be so surprised to find out what people are already using. And actually, It's definitely the kind of anecdotal tips and advice that your mates can give you that will make you feel a lot more confident in using some of these products. I know from my own experience, you know, I have friends who got a bit stressed out about how to clean their menstrual cup out on the go. But then uh, another friend of mine was like, it's easy. Just put some Lurol in in the toilet before you empty your menstrual cup and then that can sort of catch some of the blood and then it all washes away nicely. I mean, really simple little tips like that make people feel much more comfortable and confident in using these products. So actually, yeah, just chat to your mates, see what they're using, share share tips, share advice, break the taboo around period chat. You'll feel so much better, trust me. It's true.
0: You taught me a new fold for my menstrual cup so that I can use it properly now, which I wouldn't have known if we hadn't have had this conversation before.
1: Yeah, definitely. And actually with that, I remember showing you and was like, Oh, yeah. I forgot that this isn't what always everyone uses. So, you know, it's really good to kind of remind yourself of what else is out there.
0: But it would be all right if we filmed that so we can put it on social and show people the fold. Yeah, of course. Definitely. Amazing. So we're hubbub on Twitter. Hello, hubbub on Instagram and hubbub UK on YouTube. And you'll be able to see the magical fold of the Menstrual Cup. Thank you so much, Lottie, for taking the time to chat to us. There are loads of different products that you can use, from menstrual cups to organic tampons to period pants, but we're going to chat to Dame, who invented a reusable applicator to find out what they think the future of sustainable periods is going to look like.
3: I'm Alec Mills. and I'm the co-founder of Dame. We make sustainable period products, and we've launched a reusable tampon applicator, the world's first, and uh, organic cotton tampons which are toxin free and free of pesticides.
0: Um, so my first question I wanted to ask is what is Dame? What's the product?
3: Dame is a brand uh, that grew out of our subscription business called Sanitary Owl, and that was a subscription business that delivered tampons, pads, all period products to women around the UK and the more we did it the more we saw just how much plastic and waste and frankly just how much kind of BS there was in the industry in terms of uh, not having to reveal what ingredients were in the tampons, uh, the actual ingredients that went into the tampons, and the general language and branding that was around the whole topic, really. Um, And so we did that for a while, and then we thought, hang on a second, we we can do better than this. Like, women deserve better products, the planet deserves better. Um, And having really kind of neggy language, like the word discreet everywhere is, Um, is just a bit irresponsible and if you are a teenage girl who's just started having that period and you see that word it's just a very negative word to associate with it and immediately you're going to just you know imbibe all this association so let's just make a cool aspirational brand that kind of you know lifts periods and, and does a better job at the same time so out of that we came up with the reusable tampon applicator called D um, which uh, is a very simple lipstick-sized device that you can um, reuse, you know, for the rest of your your life. And and then we've launched our own organic cotton tampons with it. Um, and we think we've made quite a cool brand, but <laughs> that's up to everyone else to decide. <laughs>
0: And where can you buy it at the moment?
3: So we launched in February in Waitrose. You can buy it on our website and we do a subscription service where you can get your organic cotton tampons. And then we're just about to launch in Boots this month. Yeah, next week.
0: Exciting. I was just going to ask, this is something, the kind of period world there hasn't been a lot of innovation for a really long time. And why do you think now more brands are starting to come through with new ideas for how we can deal with periods?
3: Now is a crossroads where I think for ages... There's a sort of cultural road coming into this crossroads. There's an environmental road. And I think there's also just a consumer goods kind of revolution going on. And we are kind of sitting in the middle of all of that, which is you know a lovely place to be (laughs) be at the moment. And culturally, we're now in a place now where you can, and people do talk about it, and they question what goes into their bodies. Um, So we're ready on that sort of point of view then environmentally plastic throwaway plastics in these plastics that can't be recycled is just that's a no-go now it makes absolutely no sense if you're going to do it with water bottles and coffee cups then um you know why not do it for for period products um and then third one is well now you know brands are big kind of aggregate brands like you know Procter and gamble and unilever they historically have always been the products in um in supermarkets and now smaller challenger brands are coming in and saying hang on a second you know we want to get on this and kind of try and do it better and we're more agile than like fever tree or whoever it might be
0: and why did you decide to focus on applicators specifically
3: because when we did our subscription service we tried to get people to move on to reusable products and they just weren't budging you know as much as you can say like use a menstrual cup they're awesome It's such a big habit change and so 80 percent of women who use tampons in the uk use applicators and so we thought well let's just tackle this problem first and do a really nice halfway house so the habit change isn't too big it's a product that people are familiar with Um, and you know obviously we can make our own tampons at the same time which are better for your body Um, so that was kind of our thinking it seems to be working i mean it's, it's not a big step. A lot of people either can't use menstrual cups or don't want to use them. Um, and so we're sort of picking up all the people who don't want to do that, but they do want to be sustainable. And by making a you know a reusable applicator, which kind of does that bridge, um, is allowing people to start to engage with their bodies, maybe in a way that they haven't done before. You know, the physical act of washing blood off an applicator You know, it's something that, for some people, is a very, very big step. Ultimately, it's about choice.
0: Exactly. It's a scary thing, trying something new. And what has the reception been from people who have tried it as the most exciting bit?
3: Um, I was terrified. And when it first came out on Kickstarter, the response was amazing. As in, we love this idea. It's, it's exactly what we want and we, we sold in over 50 different countries and um, sort of trending on Twitter it was amazing but they hadn't tried it yet and it was just the sort of you know the response and then, it, and then they tried it and it's been fantastic
0: and what do you think the future of Sustainable period is going to be?
3: There is a long way to go. I think um, you've got some people in the world who are still using straw and dirt um, to stop, you know, their menstrual flow. So there, there's going to be a lot of catching up. And even in developed countries, people are seeing their own period blood as something that's not to be, you know, touched or engaged with. And so, I think. Breaking down that barrier, getting people used to their bodies is going to be a big, big step. But then there'll be a kind of massive shift. And when you go out to wash your applicator at the sink and there's someone else next to you doing it, that's going to be a great moment because then it's going to become normal effectively. That's the dream. Yeah, that is the dream.
0: dame there talking about their amazing product but if you want to have a look at some others head over to our youtube channel where me and lottie talk through loads of alternatives and you can find the one that's right for you i promise you that more people are using these products than you think if you're nervous or you have questions ask your pals send me a message let's talk about it don't forget to subscribe give us a review and recommend us to your friends (laughs) I'll see you next week. I promise I won't do that again.